their stories being told. By people who are out of their minds. That's what we've always believed. Welcome to Lie Patrol, an edutainment podcast that brings to light ingenious, interesting, and sometimes unbelievable stories from history and mixes in creative storytelling. Every episode, we hope you learn at least four facts that you can use around the dinner table or at the Home Depot to astound your family, friends, or that guy with good wood. The headlines are ear-catching, that-can't-be-true factoids, while the explanations show you just how real they are. Every week, there will be two little lies thrown into the mix to keep us on our toes and vigilant for the truth. My name is Brenna. And I'm Michael. The topic this week is... Sports. Sports. Ah, yes it is. I don't know why Sean Connery <laughs> likes sports. I don't think he's a sport guy. Was. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, uh, if it's a sport, it counts. So, um, uh, I don't know. You know... Mine are all from the big four sports. Good. Mine, too, because I was looking at some sports and I'm like... What's the difference between a competition and a sport sometimes? <laughs> well, underwater basket weaving is a sport, so that was yes. that was fair game. Yeah. Uh, well, that's one of the top four, right? This, yeah, it's one yeah, of the big four. Big four, yeah. Because, yeah. you know. Sorry, they're next to motor racing and golf and uh, what was the tennis. Oh, I was going to say polo. With horses? Polo. Like that little guy on the shirts. <laughs> okay. Baseball led to the creation of bush beer. Mm, okay. Nikola Pekovic uses money and fame gained from the NBA to start a drug empire. The Swedish national anthem is used as a drinking song. Isn't that kind of what all national anthems are, though? <laughs> Let's be real. There's a reason they show up at sporting events. Uh, what was the second one? Nikola Pekovic used his money and fame gained from the NBA to start a drug empire. Oh, from the NBA. Okay. Hmm. The first one was Bush... Baseball led to the creation of Bush Beer. I don't know if it was baseball. Something did, but I don't know if it was baseball. <laughs> it's probably oh, a wait. vision. Wait, no, no, beer. no. No, you might be right because, well, I don't mean you might be right, but at least I don't think I should be questioning baseball. Hmm. They all seem false. I think you've messed up once again, dear <laughs> sir. Oh, darn. I messed up. <laughs> don't gam it. No, wait. Doggummit. Dad gam it. Damn it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Dung gum it. <laughs> you do have to pick one. I know. I'm thinking. I'm sorry. Let's go with, um, let's go with the NBA one. That seems fine. That seems good. Nikola Pekovic used his money and fame gained from the NBA to start a drug empire. You said the whole story right there. <laughs> That's all we had to know. You did it. Good job. Nikola Pekovic joined the Minnesota Timberwolves before the start of the 2010-2011 season. At 6'11", he was poised to be the Timberwolves' center. He led a fairly decent stat line during his six-year tenure in the NBA, averaging 12.6 points and 6.7 rebounds per game. Injuries derailed his career, and the Timberwolves waived his contract before the start of the 2016-2017 season. Ah, that's a short freaking career. Uh, for big guys like... Yeah, how how six, tall was he? 6'11". Oh, well, yeah, it's like point. not out of it's like not. Yeah, they probably the, get hurt a lot more. The Shaqs and Vladdy Divox don't let tend not tend to be the exception, not the rule. They're like greyhounds. Yeah, exactly. But this story is what happened after his NBA career and his roughly sixty million dollars in salary. Ooh, that's a lot of moolah. In November 2017, 
Belgrade police stopped an Audi A4 with American plates. Hell yeah. Inside, the police found cocaine, two handguns, and ammo. Yes! <laughs> the police arrested the driver and passenger. Oh, we should have done a, a, a name. Can Oh, wait. Uh, disclaimer at the beginning. <laughs> wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, you're going to take just... a guess? No, no, no. Can I just guess that this has something to do with the Russian mafia because the Russian mafia controls everything in America? No. Damn it. Well, I mean, you're wrong. <laughs> the police arrested the driver and passenger, Rodoko Tomasevich and Ivan Golokovic. Okay. <laughs> These two individuals had close ties to the Sarek brothers. Darko and Dusko Sarek are two of the biggest drug smugglers in the world. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're known for smuggling cocaine from South America to Europe. Darko is known as the Balkan Cocaine King. Mm -hmm. That's not the Russian Mafia. Okay, well, you know what? Tomato, potato, whatever. Getting back to the Audi, guess who it was registered to? Our good friend. Yep, Nikola Pekovic. <laughs> when questioned by the police, Pekovic does not deny knowing or even being friends with the Sarek brothers. In fact, he is the godfather to one of Dusko's children. Nice! See? That's some mafia stuff there. He's the godfather to the kid. Come on. In the Montenegro region, Pekovic isn't known as a former NBA player. He's usually referred to as being a, quote, businessman. Yes. He currently owns a hotel and a nightclub, both with ties to the incarcerated Darko Sarek. Okay, so this is that whole, you know, you're in the sport, you get hurt, the sport discards you. And you know, a lot of people, they just get sad and they sit around and they watch a lot of Wheel of Fortune. But some guys, they go on get to be politics. something. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't cover it, but... Uh, Did he go into politics too? N Nicola is part of the governing body for Czechoslovakia. Oh, geez, I should have looked it up. Anyways, wow. anyways, for wherever he was born, he is a part of the governing body now. Good for him. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's what businessmen do, right? They get into politics with their cocaine they money. They can't see you doing the uh, air quotes. Oh, sorry, that was all air quotes. <laughs> Yeah, so that one was true, so good job. American politicians are, air quotes, businessmen. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a, quote, business. Doing a business, which is making money off of the little people. Which is, quote, above the board. Which is also us. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> Baseball led to the creation of Bush beer. The Swedish national anthem is used as a drinking song. So, Bush... Bush beer was its own thing before it was Anheuser-Busch, right? Before there was, like, a merge? Well, I'm not going to tell you that. Okay. Well, that's rude. Um, so, I can tell you that's incorrect. That it's a drinking game, drinking song. It's incorrect? Well, I just assumed. Not I don't gonna, know anything about Anheuser-Busch or Bush beer or anything. I'm <laughs> not going to tell you twice. Baseball led to the creation of Bush beer. The Swedish national anthem is I, used as a drinking song. I'm aware. I think that one's a lie because it's not the Swedish national anthem. It's somebody else's national anthem. I think. It might be. That's a hot take. Let's go with the national anthem. No, wait. No, 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 no. I was saying that's a lie. Let's go with the Bush beer. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> oh my God. No. It could Hold be on. <laughs> It's the anthem. The anthem's the truth. Okay. Oh my god, I swear, if I didn't go with my gut, I'm gonna kill myself. The Swedish national anthem is used as a drinking song. 
1957 Ice Hockey National Championship was held at Lenin Stadium in Moscow, Soviet Union. Now, the political climate at the time was tense. Probably, I could guess. The Soviet army had occupied Hungary in late 1956 in order to suppress the Hungarian Revolution. Yes, yes, there's a lot of, uh... Turmoil. Turmoil, maybe some slight power struggles, Mm -hmm. people wanting things, other people saying, please stop doing that. Yeah, it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Canada and the USA boycotted the championship in protest of the USSR's treatment of the Hungarians. I wonder what good that did. Norway, Italy, West Germany, and Switzerland also did not participate in order to also boycott. So, it did something. Yeah, but I mean, not participating in the Olympics doesn't actually do anything in However, society. East Germany participated in their first top-level championship, so that's kind of cool, right? Yeah. It's not like the Russians told them to mm-hmm, like participate. You, you have to because you're East Germany and we control you. Because of the boycott, the USSR was heavily favored to win the championship. The Swedish national team pulled an upset against Czechoslovakia in their third game. When the Swedes met the USSR in the finals, the Swedes only needed a tie to win the tournament. After going down 4-2 in the third period, the Swedes scored two goals tying game at four. The game ended in a 4-4 tie, crowning the Swedish national team the winners. Okay, can I just say, for this being titled I'm... about the Swedish drinking song thing, um, the anthem being the Swedish drinking, this is very dark for a beginning for something that's going to end up being something happy. So I'm starting to think maybe this wasn't... I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> this caused a bit of a problem for the USSR. They had been so sure of winning the tournament, they neglected to get the Swedish national anthem to play over the loudspeakers during the medal ceremony. <gasps> nice. Some of the Swedish players decided to sing their national anthem over the PA, but only a few knew their anthem by heart. <laughs> no. Instead, most players decided to sing Elengar, a traditional Swedish drinking song. The captain of the Swedish team recalled seeing Marshal Zhukov, the USSR's Prime Minister of Defense, standing at attention while the rest of his teammates were singing their favorite drinking song. Yes! That is amazing! (laughs) So this is the lie. Elengar literally means first goes down easiest, or bottoms up when taken in context. Okay, no, no. I'm going to say this isn't a lie because they literally sing... A drinking song in place of their anthem, which made their anthem be the drinking song. You misworded it, and I think I win on a technicality because you didn't write the correct thing. So, Baseball led to the creation of Bush Beer. I hate you so much. That, that was... Sportsman's Park has a rich and storied history. Well, I don't care about it anymore. It was home to the Brown Stockings in 1875 and the National Association of Professional Baseball Players, the pre-runner to the Major League Baseball. Except the National Association of Professional Baseball Players folded. I knew this was the one, by the way. Then, in 1876, the park was renamed to Sportsman's Park and was home to the Brown Stockings again, this time in the new National League. Until, in 1877, the Brown Stockings went bankrupt and the stadium sat vacant for four years. Ow, wow, wow, that's sad. In 1882, the new American Association was founded, and the Brown Stockings were a team again. (laughs) Guys, we're back in biz! They were renamed the Browns soon after. The 1885-1888 through season saw the Browns as the number one team in wins. Sportsman's Park was among the highest 
sports venues for attendance due to low ticket prices that were offered. The stadium made money hand over fist on concessions because the extra money fans were bringing to the game. And they're spending it mostly on beer. I brought all this money to the game and I just wish I had something to buy with it. So much beer, in fact, that the owner of the stadium installed a beer garden in right field. Originally, Oh, hey, beer garden guys. Hey, cheers to that. Originally, the beer garden was in play, but eventually a rule was added to the park that any ball hit into the beer garden was a home run. Oh my god. I, those are those are our kind of drinking rules. That is great. <laughs> the American Association folded in 1891, and the Browns joined the National League again, but moved to a different part of the city, leaving the park vacant until 1900. Oh, but so many beers were drank there. With the start of the new American League, dubbed Ban Johnson's American League, a team called the Milwaukee Brewers was created. After having a dismal first season, the Brewers moved to Sportsman's Park and renamed themselves the Browns. I hate this so much. I know, it's very convoluted. No, and I it's did this also, I know, this is <laughs> oh. so, like, this is so obvious. Oh my god, I feel like such an idiot. I should have just gone with what I knew. Fast forward 20 years. But I'm and, glad that they went back to being the Browns. And the, for them. <laughs> and the National League team, the Cardinals, needed a stadium to play in. <laughs> Cardinals. They struck up a deal with the Browns to split Sportsman's Park, with the Cardinals being tenants and paying rent. This was the setup, until the Browns moved to Baltimore in 1953. Wow, there are even, even sports teams can be super capitalist. Sportsman's Park was continually ranked the worst stadium in baseball due to constant games from each team for over 30 years. Wait, say that again? They were, the, the two teams split the part. Right. So they were doing game, like one game every day. Oh my gosh. So I so imagine it was pretty busy. run down. Oh man. Yeah, that's, that's hard to clean up after that grass or they didn't have turf probably then. <laughs> nope. Anyways, I told you all of this so that I could tell you this. In 1953, Anheuser-Busch Brewery bought the Cardinals with August Bush Jr. becoming team president. The brewery bought Sportsman's Park from Bill Veek, who honestly deserves a story of his, in his own right. But that's for another day. Bush Jr. wanted to rename the park to Budweiser Stadium, but the MLB didn't want a park named after a beer. So what did Bush Jr. do? Uh, name it after himself. He named the park Bush Stadium. Ah, nailed it. And then made a beer then named made the after beer the after stadium. The, yeah, he's like, but the beer is named after the stadium. The stadium's not named after the beer, obviously. God, I have decorum. So that's the story of Bush Beer. <laughs> it's learned that, that those last two lines. <laughs> well, that's, that's great. Thank you so much for that. Um, go ahead and email us at thelipatrol at gmail.com and let us know who you think won, because I'm pretty sure he did three truths. And, uh, I think I won anyway. So both our stories were really good this week. Um, <laughs> I, do, you have any, do you have anything else? I hate you so much. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's not my fault. It's not my fault we drink before every single time we record. And it's not my fault that I honestly thought that he told me stories. <laughs> okay, fine, 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 fine. Are you ready for mine? Okay. Okay, number one, Buffalo Sabres draft player who literally could not play. Number two, Hall of Famer Troy Aikman stabs teammate after haircut kerfuffle. Oh, Jesus. I think both of those are true. Number three, Cleveland Indian stage heist to retrieve Albert Bell's bat. Ooh, that's not good. You did much more historic ones. Mine are all very... <laughs> um, the Buffalo Sabre one, I'm pretty sure is true. 
I think that was a gag that... If you want to just not ruin it in case you think that... Ugh, fine. Okay, uh, what was the second one again? Hall of Famer Troy Aikman stabs teammate after haircut kerfuffle. I feel like that's true, too. Or at least it's, that one's based in truth. I remember Troy Aikman being on, like, NBC during, like, uh, a thir- uh, the Thanksgiving game where he's commentating the, the Cowboys and someone asked him about it and he, like, got really, like, pale-faced <laughs> and didn't want to talk about it. So I feel like that one's true, too. And the third one was uh, a bat heist. Mm-hmm. From the Cleveland Indians? Indians. They have the bats. And, and what was what was the guy's name? Albert Bell. Oh, see, that's 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 the Oh my gosh, it might be Bellis. <laughs> Bell Bell Well Bell. It's Bell. Bell. It's Bell. I'm almost pretty sure I've always heard Albert Bell. I've watched uh, so many YouTube well, videos. The, 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 the Sabres history. Give me with that. Okay. So, who is surprised the story comes from the Sabres? Probably no one. Not Well, not me, at least. <laughs> so, a little history about the Buffalo Sabres. They were first established as a team when the NHL expanded from 12 teams to 14. Oh, yeah, by the way, this is hockey. In case anybody's <laughs> like, who are the Sabres? <laughs> so, they were first established as a team when the NHL expanded from 12 teams to 14 teams in 1970, coming along with the Vancouver Canucks. And that's all the history about the Sabres we need, or anyone needs. What, I'm that's kidding. rude. I'm what if we have kidding. Sabres fans listening? I'm sorry, my one Sabre fan that may <laughs> one day be out there. <laughs> hey, it, they're a very diehard fan. Okay, you need to be nice. if if you if there's a Sabre fan out there, just know I just I really do just I will never have to worry about you knocking me out of. <laughs> <laughs> well, you won't have to worry about a crowd. Right. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Who else is, like, disappointed <laughs> to the point where they don't want their grit dead relatives? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's that's beside the point. Anyways, that's a different story for another time. Now, a little history about the NHL draft. Before I made such a hullabaloo about the draft where people literally have parties to watch all the young players get picked off one by one to teams they probably never will actually play a game for... The amateur draft took place behind closed doors, usually at a designated meeting place, or even more common, on a conference call. How fun is that? Yeah, it's, it's pretty boring up until, like, the 80s. Now, I don't know if you've ever been through even just a fantasy draft. Both of us have. Uh, but, oh my god, they are boring. <laughs> just waiting for people to make picks. Ugh. You sit and wait for everyone to pick someone round after round, and only the first round or two are even somewhat exciting since that is when the best draft picks are made. It's all about the sleepers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the 1974 amateur draft conference call, after going through 10 rounds and already picking some amazing players, Sabres general manager George Punch Imlach announced the next Sabres pick as Taro Sujimoto of the Tokyo (laughs) Katanas in the Japanese Ice Hockey League. Since a Japanese player had never been drafted before or even considered for a draft, everyone on the conference call laughed, and Sujimoto's name was recorded in the record book for the Sabres. And so the draft continued. After the conclusion of the 1974 amateur draft, the media reported the draft results for that season, including Taro Sujimoto for the Sabres, which was great. Super great. According to an NHL.com article, As training camp neared and hockey media grew anxious to meet the Sabres' new international player, M. Latch was grilled about when Sujimoto was scheduled to arrive in the States, to which he would respond with the vague reply of, He will come soon. Now, 
at this time, this was the 1970s, honestly, international uh, scouting was very minimal, even for, like, you know, the Soviet players and stuff. Wasn't even it a was, thing for the Soviet yeah, players. Yeah, it wasn't there. And so they hardly ever had this kind of stuff. It was just Canadians and Americans, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At training camp, a stall was set up for Sujimoto, but the player was still not present. That's when Imlach finally let everyone know the small issue with Sujimoto's lack of appearance. A very small problem, if you ask me. What's the problem? He's not, he, he doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Taro Sujimoto didn't actually exist. <laughs> According to Imlach, he was so fed up with a boring conference call draft, he made up Taro Sujimoto and the Tokyo Katanas as a prank on the league. Clarence Campbell, president of the NHL at the time, was not pleased with the prank and had the NHL change the official record book to read invalid claim, which means they also lost the draft pick, I assume. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't it seem doesn't to matter. matter because he already didn't exist, where Taro Sujimoto's name used to be. However, supposedly Buffalo Sabres record book still put the fictional character's name as the 183rd overall draft pick from Tokyo in the 11th round of the 1974 amateur draft. Now, if you're wondering where Imlach came up with the name for the now-beloved fictional player, it's actually kind of disputed. One account says Imlach got the name Sujimoto from a store with an owner of the same name who he contacted for permission to use the name and ideas about a first name for his character. Another story says he got the name out of a phone book, and even another account says he had his secretary find common Japanese names and asked public relations director Paul Whelan for the Japanese translation of the word sabers, to which he answered, katanas. (laughs) Which is like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Katana, that's the Japanese word for sword, according to Samurai Cop. (laughs) This is not a movie podcast. So, who knows, and oddly enough, the Sabres would go on to have one of their best seasons in franchise history that year, getting to the Stanley Cup Finals and losing it to the, do you know? What year was this? The 1974-5. Oh, uh, they lost to Philly, the Broad Street Bullies. You, yep, the Flyers, good job. Yep. Nailed it. The same series that led to a bat losing its life. Now, I didn't cover that, but I did watch the video of the bat because they had such bad fog that a bat that, got hit with a stick of, I don't recall his name. Anyways. Oh, God. He's, he's yeah, <laughs> yeah, one of the players on, on Philadelphia. I imagine it's a bat. lot like Randy Johnson. He's just like, I don't feel too good about what happened. No, no, the guy went out of his way to, <laughs> did he to really? whack the bat. Oh, yeah. man. Okay, totally he, different than Randy Johnson because Randy Johnson did not feel happy about yeah, no, that he, bird. <laughs> he, wanted to, he wanted to get back on with the game, even though it was, it was so foggy that they, they postponed the game and then a bat started flying. It, that, game, that, that game deserves a story. Oh, my God. That was a Anyways. crazy game. Side note, the actual first Japanese player to play for the NHL was Yutaka Fukufuji, who was called to play for the... Uh, the... You won't know. I mean, you might. It makes sense. Let's say let's say the LA Kings. Hey! Good job. He is good with his NHL. The first Japanese player to actually be drafted in the NHL was Hiroyuki Miura, who was drafted by the... We're just going to go with it. Montreal Canadiens. Oh, wow. Because it was back in 1992. I the would, year I was born. I would not have guessed that. But he never played a game in the NHL. He just got drafted. Uh, Yeah. So, good job. I, I do I do quite like that story. How, how boring does it have to... 
how boring do you know it's going to be in order to set up that gag? Oh, I know. That's what, well, because, you know, they were, they were only four years in the whole franchise. This is the fourth time he's just like, I don't remember when Imlatch became the GM, but I can imagine just being like, this is so awful. I want to die. <laughs> uh, for context. Uh, this is what they get for not checking anything. <laughs> in the late 80s, the NHL made a switch from ten, a 10 round mm-hmm. uh, 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 entry draft to seven. Because, because it's so boring. Because literally any, there's, it's like the status of something like less than 10% of players taken after the fifth round play, make it. They play never make one it. NHL game. Yeah. Exactly. That's so what the, the the whole thing is. The extra three rounds are just very superfluous. So it. it <laughs> so nobody is paying it, attention anyway. It was the the eleventh round. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now we have the bat heist. Hall of Famer Troy Aikman stabs teammate after haircut kerfuffle. Troy Aikman and Cleveland Indian stage heist to retrieve Albert Bell's bat. Um. I feel like it's, I, I feel like you changed one of the objects in either of those. It's either, uh, uh, Al, it's like Albert Bell's hat or home run ball. You know? And it's like, uh, read the Troy Aikman one again. Hall of Famer Troy Aikman stabs teammate after haircut kerfuffle. It wasn't, it probably wasn't like a, a haircut kerfuffle. It was a, like, uh, dinner... Who's paying dinner kerfuffle? I like I like how you've talked yourself out of both of these being true. <laughs> but also, I definitely now that when I hear you complain about how I write stuff, I pick I put names in them and I put <laughs> objects in them so that you can go which thing is she lying about? <laughs> okay, I'm I'm gonna go with Troy. I'm sixty percent sure Troy Aikman hair. It, it was about his haircut. So someone someone called his haircut stupid or something. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. All right. You, I yep. guess we'll find out. All right. Hall of Famer Troy Aikman stabs teammate after haircut kerfuffle. So you've gotten haircuts before, right? Right, guys? Right? You've got some haircuts out there? No. He is literally yeah. sitting in a pile of his own hair right now. <laughs> never had a haircut. As am I. <laughs> you've never gotten a haircut. No. <laughs> you sat down and had someone give you a nice trim, close on the sides, getting you looking pretty suave. Yeah. Well, have you ever sat down in the barber chair and then worried that you may get stabbed in the neck with barber scissors over it? Ever? I've never had Troikman as a teammate, so. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm just now learning this. <laughs> <laughs> well, offensive lineman Everett McIver of the 1998 Cowboys suffered just such an attack. The Dallas Cowboys of the 1990s were something of a powerhouse, taking home three Super Bowl rings and producing Hall of Famers like Deion Sanders, Emmitt Smith, and Troy Aikman. But there was also many scandals in those days regarding what had been dubbed America's team. Oh, the Cowboys. Oh, they could do no wrong. Wait. They're so good. I love their rings. I don't know if I'm going to get into this right now, but that's America's team is such mm-hmm. a BS oh, thing. Oh, I know. Because they dubbed themselves that. Oh, the, I know. The president's never come back. Oh, that's... That's our team. Like, Audience, I was raised a 49ers fan, so yeah, I know. <laughs> and if you're a Cowboys fan out there, you'll probably agree that this was one of them. Because you already probably know what the story is. 
On July 29, 1998, after a day of training in Wichita Falls, the team was hanging out in the camp dormitories at Midwestern State University, many of them waiting to get a haircut from Vinny, the team barber. Now, everyone is chill. This is just training camp, after all. So, what could there possibly be beef over at a time like this, right? Like, it's training camp! Some people don't even show up! <laughs> Which you're not supposed to do, by the way. Hey, anybody out there who's in the NFL, you should show up to your training camps, apparently. <laughs> but don't hang out too long, because you might get stabbed. Also, don't be taking advice from us. Oh, yeah. I've not spent as many seasons in the NFL as I might be letting on that I have. <laughs> According to The Guardian, after defensive back Charlie Williams was finished in the barber chair, Everett McIver, who had been signed as a free agent in February of that same year, hopped into the chair for a quick cleanup. Not a problem. No one thought that was a problem, because why would it be? Why would that be a problem? Oh my god, you're gonna tell me it wasn't Troy Aikman. Well, then he starts clipping away at McIver when, hold up, because here enters another Hall of Famer who made Dallas famous, Michael Irvine. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Irvine. Now, before this day in 1998, not only was Irvin the star wide receiver who helped earn every one of those Super Bowl wins of the 90s, he was also not going to let anyone forget it. At this point, Irvin had already had many allegations against him for other misbehavior, some supposedly legit, some supposedly fabricated. He had cemented himself not only as a star player, but quite the character. So, back to the haircut. So, boom, Troy Aikman comes in, stabs... (laughs) The guy in the... Stas Michael Lurfin in the chair. <laughs> Shocker! <laughs> plot, Surprise attack! Plot twist. Plot twist. <laughs> there is MacGyver getting a fresh cut when all of a sudden Irvin begins to st- yell, Seniority! What does that mean? <laughs> hey, from a... Well, what do you think that means? <laughs> um, He wants a $5 breakfast at Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a senior, baby. <laughs> Seniority. Seniority. I get discounts. <laughs> I got gray hair. <laughs> Seriously, huh? MacGyver doesn't move. Irvin begins to chant, Seniority! Seniority! Punk, get the expletive out of my chair. <laughs> he said expletive, though. Well, He said I'm... that, though? Let's put, every time I say expletive, there's, like, little stars around that, little asterisks. (laughs) To this, MacIver supposedly replied, Man, I'm almost done. Just give me another few minutes. Which is a haircut. It's reasonable. It's not bad. Yeah, just a couple minutes. You just gotta wait, you know? I'm already in it. They they did half the head, you know? And then Michael Irvin gets Troy Aikman to stab him with a set of of scissors. (laughs) Michael Irvin's... (laughs) Says hey, Troy Aikman's uh, sleeper <laughs> sleeper term. <laughs> Troy Aikman all of a sudden eyes red comes and says, "Kill MacGyver." <laughs> so apparently that was the wrong answer. Irvin switches tactics. Vinny, he supposedly said, the barber, get this expletive out of the chair. Tell his pathetic expletive to wait his expletive turn. Either I get cut right now, or nobody does. Interesting usage of that term, I would say. Yeah. Cowboys lineman Eric Williams, who had also been chilling at the time, supposedly addressed MacGyver stating, Yoey, don't you dare get out of that chair. You're no expletive rookie. He can't tell you what to do. Yeah, you know, because, like, he's not a rookie guy. He can be there. He's on the team. He's doing team things. 
right? Anyways, at this point, Vinny can sense that this isn't going to be pretty and backs away. Well, the barber backs away, that's probably a bad thing. <laughs> now that the barber is no longer barbering his head, MacGyver is pissed. He stands up and supposedly shoves Irvin, who shoves back. Starting a shoving match where the dormitory became much like a common middle school playground. Everybody shoving everybody. Yeah, that sounds about right. Kevin Smith, not that one, who had been <laughs> the left center back at the time, recounts the scene stating, I'm the littlest guy in the room, so I just yell, Leon, do something. So I just yell, <laughs> food fight. I, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what Kevin Smith uh, looks like. The, the sports one here. Yeah, sports one. Um, but when he says, Leon, do something. I honestly am just in my head. It's, uh. Hey, it's, Leon, do something. <laughs> it's, um, what's his name? Hart. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart in my head. <laughs> just, Leon, do something. <laughs> Just so you know, Kevin Hart's taller than me, so I should not be. <laughs> Referring to the defensive lineman Leon Lett, who attempted to separate the two irate and shockingly grown adult men. <laughs> then MacGyver finally punched Irvin in the jaw. This apparently really made Irvin angry because Irvin then grabs the barber's scissors and slashes across MacGyver's neck, just above his collarbone and reportedly within inches of his carotid artery. Ooh. Close one. Aww. Those <laughs> darling cowboys. <laughs> that's America's team right there. That is America's that's, team. That's very American. Brother cutting brother. <laughs> that's what we're all about. When asked, Irvin stated, I just lost it. <laughs> oh, that's what happened. Yeah, dude, I think you did. After bleeding everywhere, the medical team for the cowboys rushed in to keep MacGyver alive while an ambulance was called, and luckily MacGyver survived the incident. Because we would have probably heard about murder. <laughs> At least manslaughter. <laughs> in fact, everything survived the incident. MacGyver, MacGyver's bank account, Irvin's reputation is not a murderer, and of course, the cowboy's reputation. Hmm. Now why is that? Why do you think, uh, why do you think everything this weathered... Because Troy Aikman was a fall guy. <laughs> Troy Aikman did it. Troy Aikman did it. <laughs> the one who's probably going to have a longer career than all of us. <laughs> <laughs> because the Arkansas oil magnate and owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, turned this brawl gone wrong into what is now referred to by certain circles as Scissor Gate. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No charges were pressed, no arrests were made, and the media team was able to claim that it was just a little locker room kerfuffle and nothing to worry about. That's because MacGyver accepted a six-figure payment from Jones to keep quiet about the entire thing in order to cover up the incident and save face for America's favorite 90s football team. Jesus. Yeah, well, that tracks. Yeah, that, that really tracks. I wonder if it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Romo's like... So I'm going to get that so back, So who's going right? to stab me? <laughs> so if I stab some people, we... Stab me, you, stab me, you, bro. Will you, will you back me up? <laughs> me over here if I get upset? <laughs> <laughs> MacGyver healed and would go on to play five games that season before being added to the injury reserve list for a torn MCL. He ended his career in 2000 with the Falcons and disappeared into football obscurity. Yeah. Irvin, however, went on to play well until a 1999 game against the Philadelphia Eagles, where Irvin landed headfirst in the turf during a tackle. Irvin suffered a cervical spine injury leading to cervical spine stenosis that would end his career in football. 
Irvin continued to end up in the news with many allegations of drugs or assault until he finally supposedly found God, and claims to have changed his life around. But what does Treitman think? <laughs> I hate to say it, but I don't think Troy he has a comment. <laughs> Troy was already, like, in his, I don't know, Nissan 370Z. <laughs> he was commentating at that point, I believe. No, 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 no. <clears throat> well, he, he, I think his career ended in 2000. No, there's no way he played that long. Two? Okay, this is probably going to get cut, but I am looking this up right this moment, because that does not sound right. Oh, his career ended in 2001. Okay, fine. That was close. Anyways... Uh, Irvin has since had multiple TV and radio talk shows, including a couple of reality shows, and claims to be friends with Everett McIver to this day. Well, yeah, Six Figures will do that. Yeah. Man. Someone's... To think you can just slit a guy's throat and treat him almost like when people kill prostitutes. <laughs> Someone says me, but gives me a hundred grand. Yeah, we might still be friends. A hundred grand? It better be nine hundred grand. Six nines. That's the six figure I'm looking for. <laughs> All right. You ready okay, for the last hit one? Hit me with the bat. Cleveland Indian stage heist to retrieve Albert Bell's bat. I honestly thought you would know one of these. No. <laughs> okay, so this story is a pretty famous one in the baseball world, but I just think it's too hilarious to pass up. In a 1994 MLB game featuring the Cleveland Indians against the Chicago White Sox in Comiskey Park, Chicago, the game was stopped right in the first inning. Apparently, White Sox manager Gene Lamont was tipped off that the Indians' big slugger Albert Bell was using a corked bat. This led Lamont to challenge the bat's use, which prompted Dave Phillips, the plate umpire, to immediately confiscate the bat and lock it up in his locker for later investigation. I have heard this. This story is so ridiculous. This is so dumb. <laughs> okay, so the bat has been replaced, and the game goes on, and that's it, right? Nope. Well, behind the scenes, the Indians were freaking out because everyone knew Bell's bat was indeed corked. <laughs> For anyone who isn't a big baseball fan or sports in general, a corked bat is a bat which has been drilled out through the top and filled with cork, making the bat lighter and easier to wield and thus making it easier to slap those balls out of the park. So yeah, the Indians would be in quite a bit of trouble if their little secret had been found out. Enter Jason Grimsley, a 6'3", 180-pound pitcher for the Indians at the time who was recruited for a rescue mission. A heist, even. <laughs> I like I like to think that mid game the, the, they're like, "Oh, well, can you pitch well? Can you field well? Can you do heist?" <laughs> oh, you're on the Yo. But like, can you do heist though? <laughs> you're hired. Here's a contract. And this was in 1994, way before the Ocean series. So obviously, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they got some of their uh, <laughs> their inspiration from this. It has to be. <laughs> The plan was for Grimsley to take an uncorked bat, climb through the escape hatch in the ceiling of the Indians clubhouse, find the escape hatch in the umpire's dressing room, drop down on a refrigerator, swap the bats, and climb back. This he did successfully, and in a 1999 LA Times article admitted, that was one of the biggest adrenaline rushes I've ever experienced. <laughs> I would imagine so. That's gonna feel so cool after completing that, just be like, yes, 
Guys, I did it. High fives all around. <laughs> I hope I don't get called in a bitch. <laughs> this story is so ridiculous. <laughs> After the game, the umpires took a look at the bat and immediately recognized the signs of foul play. Like, <laughs> right off the bat. You see, baseball bats are specific to each player, and each player's name is on their specific bat. <laughs> but because every one of Bell's bats was corked, the swap could not be made with any <laughs> It could not be made with another one of Bell's bats. <laughs> Upon seeing the name of first baseman Paul Sorrento on the bat, the Indians kind of gave away their little shred. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but they didn't forfeit the game, so... Yeah, so uh, the Indians were then told that if they gave back the correct bat, the team would not face punishment for the swap. So, <laughs> upon giving the bat back, what do you think happened to Bell? Uh, he went to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. He took steroids. Okay, what was his punishment for having a corked bat? Uh, he probably got suspended a game. <clears throat> I mean, he received ten game suspensions, but after appeal, it was reduced to seven. For cheating. Yeah. <laughs> for, uh, I don't know. It just, <laughs> it it sours me so much to think that's all it, that's all it was. It was just, uh, seven games, that's it. What an idiot doesn't keep a... Un- at least un- one uh, well, one yeah. uncorked bat Jeez, michael everybody's learned now that you keep at least one <laughs> idiot honestly the scandal doesn't seem like much of a scandal at all cleveland suffered little punishment and the whole thing seems overshadowed in the annals of mlb history by the doping scandal this was the beginning of a lot of good seasons for the indians with talents the like of manny ramirez Kenny Lofton, and even my favorite all-time player, Omar Vizquel, who would go on to get his first Golden Glove that year. Yay! I guess that just goes to show, sometimes cheating doesn't matter much. (laughs) Well, that was fun. That was pretty fun. I had fun. Did you have fun? Yeah, no. We needed sports again. That was good. Sports is pretty good. Do you have anything else? Any small ones? Uh, (laughs) Okay, yeah. So, um, a short little one was the, in baseball, the Mendoza line, which is the, it's the threshold for what people say your batting average sucks so bad that whatever your defensive play doesn't doesn't matter matter because you bat so low because, uh, Mario Mendoza, who played for the Pirates, uh, (laughs) his average was, eventually was 215. But it was, like, 200 forever, and he was a defense, like, so people call it the Mendoza line when your batting average is so bad it outweighs whatever good you are defensively. (laughs) That guy went on to go back to, he was from uh, Chihuahua, Mexico, and he went back to the Mexican League after playing in the MLB, and he's actually in the Mexican Hall of Fame there for baseball. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, so he he actually did do way better. (laughs) He's not bad. He's not MLB caliber. Yeah, well, I mean, when everybody's doping and corking. I was about to say, if you're getting pitches that are 70, 80 miles an hour, as opposed to 90 hundo. Wow, you you don't think very highly. You can probably hit more than a quarter of them. Wow, Kenny. You don't think very highly of the Mexican Baseball League, do you? (laughs) Okay, so I got one. So everyone should know about the Madden curse, but if you live under a video game rock, here's the basis. Every year for the Madden NFL video game franchise, EA Sports selects an athlete to grace the cover. 
The issue is of the 22 players who have been selected to the cover of Madden games through the 2021 season, 16 have had troubling or abruptly shortened seasons following their cover debut. That's the boring part. Let's play Guess the Curse. I'll give you five cover athletes, the year, and a short synopsis of what happened to them. You need to guess if the story I told you is actually what happened to them. Okay, before you start this, this is really cute and all, but I'm sick and tired of your stupid little after-hours games I'm getting, play. I'm getting very fond of these. I am so glad you are because I am hating them so much. San Francisco 49er Garrison Hurst in Madden 99. He led the 49ers to the playoffs, but broke his ankle in the second round. He had off-season surgery to repair it, but a bone died in his foot, and he did not play for the next two seasons. False. That one's true. Jeez. That actually happened. That's great. <laughs> Atlanta Falcon Michael Vick in Madden 04. Before the season started, the dogfighting allegations started. Vick was placed on personal leave and did not play a single game in the 2004 season. True. That one's false. Oh, God, what? Okay, they probably he, actually just arrested him and he was in prison at this time. He broke his ankle in a preseason game. No. Missed 11 regular season games in the 2004 season. The dogfighting allegations and arrest occurred in 2007. Maybe a lingering effect from the Madden curse? Whatever. I hate Michael Vick Nah, anyways. he's probably just a trash human being. He is. <laughs> yeah, I think just when you're a trash human being, trash tra you're attracted to trash, so it's going to happen to you. Detroit Lion, Barry Sanders, and Madden 2000. Sanders was announced as the cover athlete of Madden 2000, and then a few weeks later announced his retirement. In order to combat this, EA named Green Bay Packer Dorsey Levins as the cover athlete to replace Sanders. Levins led the Packers to their worst record since having Favre on the roster, and Green Bay released him of his contract the following year. True. That was true. Yep. Green Bay Packer Brett Favre in Madden 09. EA wanted to give an homage to Brett Favre's last season and named him the cover athlete. He announced his retirement weeks later. False. That one is false. So this one's kind of backwards. Favre announced his retirement. EA names him the cover athlete, and then Favre decides to keep playing. Yep. Well, yeah, because Favre is captain of the... I'm gonna go. Actually, I'm gonna come back. No, guys, I'll see you later. Hey, are you guys missing me? Because I could come back. That's, that's Favre and his stupid little jeans. Cleveland Brown, Peyton Hillis, and Madden 12. Due to strep throat and an injured hamstring, Hillis only played 10 games all season, and the Browns declined to resign him the next year. True. That one is also true. Yeah, I just realized the more detail you give, the more it's true because you don't make up injuries. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 so that was, next time he's going to make up injuries. <laughs> that, that, was, that was all I had. I mean, like, there's, <clears throat> there's more recent examples, but I feel like you would be more in tune with those, so I went with older ones that's fine that's good good uh, job so that's the man curse i guess are you sure the man curse isn't that nobody wants to pay ea anymore for their crappy madden games nope because people year after year will keep paying How for it dumb it's the same game oh i still can't get them to figure out that oh he's got a hand injury but he's coming off the field holding his wrist <laughs> like <laughs> What are we you talking about? We don't know. We haven't played a new one in about 40 years. So okay. maybe they fixed that. And yeah, to be fair, this is coming from a girl whose favorite Madden game was Madden 99. <laughs> which was on the Nintendo 64. Jesus Christ, was it hey, really? it's a sick game. Yeah, I think we have it. Oh my god. Yeah, okay. the Broncos were like the best team. <laughs> in the... Which obviously, 
doesn't track anymore. <laughs> ah, what a time to be alive. Yeah, I guess so. Do you have anything else? Nah, nothing that I want to tell you about, because I'm going to save it for later, baby. Yeah, me neither. All right. Well, I guess this is it, huh? Yeah, I think so. All right. Have a good one. Bye. For show ideas, inaccuracies, or general comments, you can email us at thelivepatrol at gmail.com. Intro and outro music provided by The Simulation Hypothesis by Revolution Void. Found on the Free Music Archive, CCBY License. Thank you for listening. Goodwood is the one. That guy with Goodwood. <laughs> How did I do this so poorly we're, on We're the... at Home Depot. <laughs> Just send your family, you know, friends. Honestly... Or the guy who's living vicariously <laughs> through his son at Home Depot. Yeah. <laughs> at Home Depot. Mm-hmm. <laughs>